0: Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless surya namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist yoga studio owner and co-founder of a yoga focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and Substitute Water Cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. Welcome to Working in Yoga, friends. This week, I have a special guest, Colleen Jorgensen. Now, Colleen Jorgensen hails from Canada, and she is an osteopath. An athletic therapist, as well as a yoga teacher and Pilates teacher. And Colleen has a specialty in pain care. Now, a lot of us who teach both group classes and have one-on-one clients, as well as if you're sliding into the yoga therapy realm like I do, we have a lot of folks who have chronic pain. Now, Colleen does something interesting. She has found a way to marry all of those specialties together to create a profession that works for her and her business. Now, she has a story that I think we can all relate to, coming to yoga for the physical aspect and then sliding in and going, oh my gosh, this is so much more than I ever thought it was going to be. So I am excited for you all to hear her story. Now, before we slide into that, I wanted to mention that I am hosting through my business, Sunlight Yoga Center, an advanced yoga teacher training that's starting in January of 2022. And in fact, Colleen is on staff with us. And why that's exciting is because this is a hybrid training. Like Colleen's in Montreal and I'm in Iowa. I have friends on the East Coast and friends on the West Coast who are all coming in to create this really amazing training with all these awesome teachers. And I want you to check it out. So go to the website, www.sunlightyogacenter.com backslash teacher dash training to check it out. Now, without any further delay, here is my conversation with Colleen Jorgensen. Welcome working in yoga friends. I am so excited this week to have Colleen Jorgensen join us on the podcast. So Colleen is really interesting and she's doing something that I think so many of us do in this industry. She is creating her own professional path, and I love it. So Colleen, if you will introduce yourself and
1: tell us all about you and what you do. Sure. Thank you so much for having me, Rebecca. I'm excited to be here. My name is Colleen. I'm an osteopath in Montreal, Canada. I started my career as an athletic therapist, and then as soon as I graduated, I got certified as a Pilates instructor and started to marry those two worlds together immediately started the five-year osteopathy schooling and so as I went through osteopathy the way that I worked started to evolve yoga was introduced to me somewhere along along the way in there so I got certified as a yoga teacher as well and then both because of um, my own experiences with challenging health issues and chronic pain and because my patients tend to mostly be people living with chronic pain. I developed a specialty in chronic pain. I really dove into the research on it, both in terms of the neuroscience behind chronic pain and what can we do in terms of movement and mindfulness. So trying to marry all that together. And that's where I am now is trying to mesh all of those things.
0: So that to me is really exciting and partially because I feel like yoga for so many years has been taught that it is this one sort of career path. You're going to do this one thing. You're going to go to a studio, you're going to teach classes, they're going to be generalized classes where you're, you know, doing standing, sitting forward, back beds, like all the things. I think what you've really done that's interesting is really pulled in both yoga and Pilates and osteopathy and pain care to create a path for yourself. Can you kind of tell me the inspiration behind that?
1: Yeah, so I think it's mainly two things. One is that I'm someone who has a lot of varied interests. I always have. I, I love to learn new things. I don't want to say that I get bored because I don't. I, I love all of the things that I do, but I, I always want a little bit more. I always want to make sure that I'm... Not missing out on something that could help my work be be better, you know, so that's part of it that I love to learn and I'm constantly searching to make what I do better. But also here in Montreal, when I started as an athletic therapist, it was very, very difficult to get a job in clinic. So you had to hustle. So you kind of had no choice at that point, but to have some kind of a side gig (laughs) until you built up a clientele, which for some people could take years. So I've always had that kind of entrepreneur hustler sort of spirit, partly because I had to, but partly because I think that's in me. And as I was searching for things, Pilates kind of fell in my lap. It wasn't something that I, I I had never even heard of it. I didn't even know what it was when I applied for the job. There was one studio in Montreal at the time. And I heard that they were looking for a physiotherapist who had a background in dance. And I'm a dancer and I'm an athletic therapist. I thought, I don't know what it is, but it must be perfect for me. And sure enough, it actually was. I I applied for the job. I got it. It involved a year-long mentorship training. And it happened to be right after I had had my first spine surgery. And I had gotten myself pretty functional through osteopathy, physiotherapy, athletic therapy, but I wasn't quite where I had been before. And then when I started this new thing, Pilates, and I did the teacher training, which involved like five to six days a week of working on the the equipment, I started to see, oh my God, I've gotten not only to where I was, prior to surgery, but I'm even stronger and more flexible and more functional now than I've ever been. So then I started to incorporate Pilates into my athletic therapy work, um, even brought it into the clinic that I was working at. And that's kind of where it all started.
0: I love that so I don't know if you know this about me I've talked about this a little bit on this podcast but I actually came to yoga because I had chronic pain I was born with hip dysplasia which I'm sure you know what that is but for anybody listening I'll explain Um, what it means is that the ball head of my femur when I was a baby was not aligned in the socket of my hip correctly so as a baby I had a brace on the lower half of my body I didn't crawl And by the time I was 19, I had a job where I was in a car a lot, which as we know, sitting is the recipe for chronic pain for so many of us. And it was for me for sure. And I was in so much pain. I went to a doctor and a doctor said, Oh, girls like you have hip replacements before they're 40. (laughs) And so at 19 here, I am like crying, going, Oh my gosh, I'm never gonna be the same again. I'll never live an adult life without pain. Like all the like, fatalistic thoughts you have when you first get bad news right yeah and and for me a friend of mine said oh you should try going to a yoga class and the
1: life-changing I'm sure
0: life-changing the rest is history I haven't had pain in my hip for decades now I oh, have two babies easily with no hip pain and discomfort and so I also came into this sort of wellness and movement space to help heal so I can really relate to that
1: think a lot of us do, right? We sort of are drawn to things either because they're our passion or because we need them for some reason in our lives. And then what we needed it for is what we often become specialized in. Yeah. So how did yoga come into your journey? So I at first did yoga as one of my workouts. I was one of those people who always wanted to work out hard. I didn't like the slow yoga. I hated to do Shavasana. I was one of those people that would leave a class and missed Shavasana because I couldn't stand to lie still. So I liked Ashtanga. That is, that was my first introduction to yoga for many, many years. And then um, I was going through a difficult separation and divorce, and I was finding that I was not breathing. I was catching myself in the middle of the day, taking this like gasping breath because I I realized I had not been breathing. So I switched from, I was still doing a shang at the time, but I changed my mindset when I was in the class. And I wasn't I wasn't there so much to get the, the workout and the challenge and the burn. I was there to try to figure out how can I breathe in my life again? And I became very interested in how much it helped me. And then I opened my mind to exploring other styles of yoga. And as my health continued to be more challenging in my case, So as I sort of, I I lost function completely at one point, there was a certain period where I wasn't able to move at all for a couple of years. And during that time, I was so thankful that I had gone to yoga because now breath and visualization and um, vocalization were the only things that I could do. I couldn't do movement at all. So everything that I had relied on from the time I was a three-year-old starting to dance, all the things that had helped keep me healthy all those years Now, all of a sudden, they weren't available. So what do you turn to? And yoga was one of my saving graces in those moments. So then once I started being able to move again, I decided to get certified as a yoga teacher because I had been teaching some yoga, but I never felt good about teaching it without that proper certification Uh, because of my anatomy background and my dance and Pilates background. I understood the movement aspect but I didn't have a good understanding other than the reading I had done on the philosophical part of it and the history of it. So I really wanted to make sure that I had a good foundation in that. And that's when I decided to do the teacher training. And I purposely chose someone here in Montreal, Marianne Thorberg, who, who really brings in those elements. She really focuses on the philosophy and history of it, which uh, was where I was lacking. So I'm I now feel much more complete in my teaching since I got that element.
0: Oh, I love stories like that. I really do, because I think so many of us have the same kind of journey you had where we came to yoga for the movement aspect. I mean, even though I came to heal, I still i had no idea what yoga was going to bring to me as far as meditation and breathwork right. and the philosophy and, and really the philosophy is what changed me fundamentally is, is yeah. that those living principles that we apply yeah. as yoga professionals and yoga practitioners. And I love how you illustrated, like, there were two years where you couldn't do the movement portion of it, but you were still doing yoga. Exactly. I think I did my deepest yoga in those times, right? Oh, yeah. That's oh. what we come to learn. Oh, I love that. So the yoga therapist did me is just like so happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> i'm so glad and and actually yoga therapy like you and i have communicated a little bit on the in the yoga therapy sphere of things because really those of us in the therapeutic modality of yoga kind of look at health and healing and yoga a little bit differently i think than the traditional yoga teacher does so as you married athletic therapy and osteo being an osteopath and pilates teacher and yoga together So how does that come and manifest for you now?
1: Yeah, so I was really interested. So one of the things, well, let me go back. So as an athletic therapist at the time, maybe it's changed now, I'm not sure. It was very biomechanical based, right? Very biomechanical, very biomedical, which I absolutely loved at the time. Then I started osteopathy, which is a five-year program. And osteopathy reminds me so much of yoga therapy. They have so many commonalities in terms of their philosophies and their roots that it's more about first of all finding stillness as a practitioner so that you can bring your full self to the treatment but also helping your patients to find stillness but also this is I think really important as teachers and manual practitioners instead of coming into a treatment session or a a movement session that I'm guiding as okay I'm here to fix the people that are here with me it's more about what can i offer that's going to help their system function at their at their in, in their best way you know we all have that inherent ability to heal It's we are born with it it's always there life gets a little bit in the way and our job is to just help people get out of their own way and almost be a fulcrum for figuring out how to find that homeostasis again you know so yes. osteopathy and yoga really especially yoga therapy Really are the same in that sense, and oh what I try to do. Sorry, I don't want to. No, I no,
0: talked. no. Keep going.
1: Keep going. <laughs> what I tried to do, and it's interesting. I it, when you asked me to speak about this topic, I was thinking on on my journey and how I started to mesh all this together, and it was interesting to to recognize that when I first started. My way of doing it was I separated all the things that I was doing. I I literally even would book, I would book Pilates patients on a certain day, athletic therapy on another day, osteo, I would even dress differently. My mindset was different and it was very disjointed both for me and the people I was trying to help. And then as I went along in my journey, I realized, okay, no, wait a second. These are not all separate things. It's all trying to help people with their health. It's all trying to help people move. They are so complementary. So let's mesh it all together. And of of course, it's helping people so much more since I've done that. So what I love to do um, in a session, so let's say someone's come to me for an osteopathy session, for example, which people are used to it being all hands-on. I really like to bring the yoga and the somatics into it at the same time you know it could be as simple as as i'm doing a manual technique i bring their awareness to what their breath is when we start the technique then i'm working on them manually i'm inviting them to breathe with me as we do it and then getting them to notice okay well how does it feel differently when when we're finished now and when people have that participation aspect that you bring their attention to okay i felt this way then we did something and now i feel a different way it empowers them to know i can do that again because yeah. I was doing half the work, you know, so <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm really enjoying that element of seeing that aha moment in people when they participate in the treatment, instead of just being a passive passenger on the table and, you know, getting me to quote unquote, fix them. That's not at all the way that I work. We We work together as partners, whether that's in a movement class or a hands-on treatment. I think I went off topic from your (laughs) question, So you can bring me back if I did. No, because you did you you said
0: something that I think is so important in yoga therapy that I want to readdress is just how our clients the humans that we're seeing also have a hand on that driver's wheel. So that that is the languaging that I often use um, when folks come to see me for yoga therapy, is that you're in the driver's seat, but I'm your GPS. Turn me on when you need me and I can help guide you where to go. I love it. Um, Because that's such a different way of seeing how we interact with human beings versus you know like manual therapies especially tend to be the i'm doing something to you to help fix or treat in some way yoga therapy makes a very clear line we don't treat diagnose we don't do any of that we are just sharing the practice of yoga in a therapeutic manner to help people heal themselves so they're in the driver's seat and that's You said that, I think, better than most yoga therapists.
1: (laughs) I think, you know, it's interesting because when I was a patient, well, I still am a patient in the system, as someone living with chronic pain and having to go for surgery, so seeing specialists and blah, 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 blah. It really struck me that as I was waiting to see the next practitioner or the next specialist, I had so many tools at my fingertips that I used all day, every day to get me through whatever it was a week, a month, six months until I saw that next person. Whereas the people who come to see me, oftentimes they've been on a waiting list for several weeks. And when I ask them, okay, so what have you done since you were referred to me? The answer is almost always nothing because I was afraid of making things worse. Uh-huh. And it struck me, okay, wow. The best gift, I think the best thing, biggest gift that we can give people is to teach them how to become their own best expert, because they are the ones that live with their bodies 24 seven, they see us for an hour, hour and a half, however often, but then they have the rest of the day, all week, all year to be in their bodies. And if they don't have the tools and the, the confidence to trust in what messages they're getting from their bodies then we're not, we're not helping them properly, I, I think. I think that the best gift yeah. we can give them is to teach them how to get into communication with their own bodies, because our bodies are talking to us all the time. And if we teach them how to listen and then respond, now we've given them, it's like teaching them, teach a man to fish, right? It's, it's that kind right. of concept. It's, uh, it's exactly that. And it, that's how I've shifted my work in the last several years. And what a difference.
0: Yeah, I you know, interestingly, I think that the same tools can be applied to how yoga professionals are running our businesses, too. Because Mm. for the last, you know, pre-COVID, so now we're just going to talk about the rest of our lives will be pre-COVID, post-COVID, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) So pre-COVID, I think so many of us, and myself included, to some degree, we were just following the path that we thought was put out for us and i didn't really question and every time i made a shift in my business it was because somebody else told me to Mm -hmm. but now post covid where everything changed we sort of our industry got set on fire we're doing the exact same thing that you're talking about doing with your clients is that you get to marry all these different things together and you get to create your own path where we are in the driver's seat and i think I love that both in your business and in your practice, without maybe even you really realizing it, you're utilizing <laughs> that same sort of philosophy of creating your own path.
1: I yeah, that's a that. great point. It's a great point. And it's so
0: true. So how, like, if for anybody out here listening who is thinking okay so I'm a yoga teacher I'm a yoga therapist but I also have an interest in X and for me one of those interests was Feldenkrais I think Feldenkrais was one of the things that you know six seven eight years ago when really it was coming on the yoga scene especially the yoga therapy scene and when movements like somatic movement were coming in as well I sort of dove deep into that what do you think somebody should do first if they want to explore something else to add to their yoga teaching?
1: I think what someone has to do first is very individual, but I think what I see a lot of people do, maybe that's not serving them, is that is what I did at the beginning, is that when we have another interest or another passion or another certification or whatever, we think of them as separate things. But I, I as well have taken a deep dive into Feldenkrais. And I think the work is absolutely beautiful. And it's, oh, it's, yes. it's the one and only <laughs> thing my body responds to right now. And I'm so appreciative for it. But movement is movement. You know, I, I, I'm someone who despises labels of all kinds. So even though I love yoga, I love Pilates, I love some of I I love Feldenkrais. It's all movement. We are all human bodies and we're all just looking for different ways to move, right? And even though these methods are beautiful methods, when you add something new to your repertoire, you're just helping people learn how to move better by bringing in a different element. So I think it's important to not try to separate it and think you have to patch them together as though they're two different things. They're not. They're both movement. It's all just trying to teach people to be more aware of their bodies so mesh it together in the way that makes sense in in your body and in the body of the person who's in front of you. I don't know if that fully answers your question, but that's what comes to mind when you asked it.
0: Yeah, it does. I'm curious as you're doing the practices, do you call attention to the fact that like so sometimes if I'm teaching a group class and I'm just straight out doing Feldenkrais, which does happen, like a fair amount of time because it does marry really nicely into a yoga class. Yeah. I will say this is something I learned from Feldenkrais to sort of honor that lineage of where I've gotten the information from. Do you do that
1: as well? Yeah, it's a very interesting question. And I think I do both. And I think it depends on who I'm with and what the moment is. But for sure, I I love people to know uh, where it's come from. I think that's really important. But I sometimes will, it, it really depends who I'm working with. I will sometimes only point it out after. Because it's amazing how when people think they're learning something that they don't know, it, it changes the way they receive the information. So sometimes if I know that that's the, the, you know, the the maybe the reaction of the people that I might be working with in that instance, I might wait until after to say, oh, you know, that thing we did, that was blah, 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 blah. Um, and then they go, oh, and I did it. You know, like they have that moment of, okay, and I was successful in it and it was something new. Because as humans, everything new is scary. And again, I tend to work with people who are in pain. so. things are particularly scary for people who are in pain. So I, these days, I don't always say it in the moment, but it depends who I'm working with.
0: I do too. And I agree. Um, So it is a very different thing to teach something in a group setting where you have more than two, three, or four people in a room or in a space, if we're doing it outside versus one-on-one, because in, in yoga therapy happens primarily one-on-one as well, that, in the moment, it is all about how the person is receiving the information that you're giving them and being embodied in the moment. And you're right. And then I do that too. Now that you're saying it afterwards, I'll be like, oh yeah. So we did that thing, thing. You just mastered. Yeah. <laughs> you want to hear something cool you did today? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So um I let's talk just a little bit more before we finish up about this idea of the mindset shift that you took from having like a Pilates path and a yoga path and an osteopathy path and an athletic therapist path. Was there like a mindset shift that you had to go through to be able to marry all these different disciplines together?
1: There was. And I can't say that it was like one moment that everything all all of a sudden changed. I think I've never really reflected on it until until you've asked me right now. But as I think about it, I think I was probably influenced by people that I see, either for movement or hands on or whatever, and um, witnessing and experiencing as the patient or the client how they've done it. And I appreciate when it just goes very seamlessly and it just feels like they know what they're doing and I feel cared for and I feel heard. And something about that, like I said, when I was trying to separate them, it felt disjointed in my own self. So, how could it not? feel disjointed for the people that I worked with right and I'm sure if you ask them now they'd say they they received a good treatment but (laughs) if I compare it to what I'm doing now it's very different so yeah I think it's probably just at at a certain point when I accepted that these are all just beautiful ways of trying to achieve the same goal that Mm -hmm. I let go of the barriers that I had put up for my own self
0: yeah, so it's almost as if it's—it sounds to me that is as if we're talking about how this lands in our patients, our clients. Also, we have to be paying attention to how it lands in ourselves.
1: A hundred percent, and yeah. And to speak to that point, um, I teach a lot of pain care to manual therapists and yoga therapists, yoga teachers, Pilates teachers, that kind of thing, and people always, the the number one question afterwards is, well, how do I start to incorporate this into the work that I'm already doing? And to me, the number one way is, well, you have to first experience it. You, you're never going to teach people anything well, or as well as you can, if you have not embodied the experience yourself, right? So just taking the course, but then never doing maybe the self care practices or whatever the case may be yeah. if you never use those yourself in a challenging moment then sure you'll be able to talk somebody through it but you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to share the full essence of the practice the way you can if you've embodied it if you've relied on those techniques yourself in a difficult moment you know what i mean i do yes ooh okay so we're going to leave <laughs> on that because
0: i think that's really important and i want to uh, perfect yes we have to embody the work that we're doing so that we can share it skillfully with other people. I believe that times 10 billion percent.
1: (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Wise words
0: from Colleen today. And before we go, I have two requests of you. And the first is, let's have a self-care tip. What do you do to care for yourself? And you told yeah, me you so had a list I, of like I was five joking with you. I was
1: joking <laughs> with you before. I could give you five hours of things because because of my health issues, I really need to rely on, on self-care practices to to function. And and I'm really grateful that that's the case because now I can teach it from that place of knowing. Um, but I've really found in the last few years, that so much more research is coming, it's a really exciting time in, in this space, actually, with all the, the yes, research in is. neuroscience and mindfulness, It's kind of a fantastic time. I would say that the thing I'm most excited about right now, and that could change in a week, but right now is how accessing the vagal system is like the quickest doorway into your own nervous system. So there are so many simple, simple, but highly effective things. And I will share one with you right now. Uh, do we actually, are we actually doing it? Or you want me to just, uh, am I am I guiding your listeners through it?
0: I think yes, you definitely okay, are.
1: Perfect. So you can be in any position, really seated, lying down, standing, anything is fine. And you can take your your second or third finger and find what we call the tragus, which is that piece of cartilage that's just at the front of where you have the hole that is your ear. And rather than using your fingertips, Just use your finger pads so the rest of your hands will just come to lay on your face or on your head wherever they do naturally. And with that one finger on the tragus, you're just gonna slowly start to move that skin. Up to you if you wanna go up and down, front and back, circles, figure eights, change it up however your gut tells you to. And the beauty of vagal work is that if you are feeling today like you're kind of anxious, you're on edge and you need to, you need your system to be soothed and calmed, then you would do exactly what we're doing, but really, really slow. If on the other hand, in this moment, you're feeling fatigued and unmotivated maybe even a little depressed, you're having a hard time getting up and going, well then do this exact same thing, but make your movement quite quick. So on the one hand, we can calm and soothe the system and then using the exact same technique, but a different tempo, we can stimulate and activate the system. And you can do this for anywhere from 30 seconds to a couple of minutes, and then allow the hands to fall away and notice the difference.
0: The biggest crush on you right now, Colleen, I'm not gonna lie. (laughs) That's delightful. I hope you all did that at home, seriously, because I was doing that here. That's just really wonderful.
1: It, it's so, and it's one of those ones you could do it several times a day if you want. There's not a detriment to doing it. So don't be shy to practice it as often as you like.
0: Colleen, tell everyone where to find you.
1: So um, you can find me on my website, ColleenJorgensen.org. And I'm I'm brand new to social media since this COVID thing happened. So now you can find me at Stillness in Motion on Facebook, underscore Stillness in Motion on Instagram. And I have tons of free practices on YouTube, which is uh, Stillness in Motion with Colleen Jorgensen.
0: Ooh. Okay. So y'all should go do that right now. That, <laughs> if that mini practice is any sign of what she's offering, you should do it immediately. <laughs> thank, and you, Rebecca. thank you so much, Colleen, for joining me today. I am so grateful. It
1: was such a joy. Thank you so much, Rebecca. I really appreciate you having me.
0: Thank you so much, Colleen, for coming on the podcast. I loved our conversation. I can't wait to have more conversations with folks who slide both into the therapeutic realm of yoga as well as the typical group classes that we commonly think of as yoga classes. Now, next time is a solo podcast for me. And I have a couple topics in mind, but I think really what I wanna talk about next time is what I'm calling the cannibalizing of the yoga industry. Now, what I mean by that It's just that we tend to sell our goods and services only to other yoga people, and we just sell and recycle our own small group of yoga folks, as opposed to really looking at how we can improve and increase and share what we love with the greater community. So we're going to talk about that next time, and I can't wait. See you then.